0: Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Thank you to the voice of Ryan Treasure. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm excited. This is week six of my 2024 Crystal Ball Prediction special. I've got one, two, three, four, five, eight guests with me today. But today is a special special because they're all authors past five weeks since I started this special. And when did we start the special? December 6, 2023, last year. Well, it was a mix of people, technologists and analysts and business people and all kinds of entrepreneurs. And today it's only for authors. So I have a very special episode. So I have my little poem I'm going to read. Everybody's here except one. So I'm just going to take her name out. That's the way it goes. Okay. So here we go. I have coversed this, everybody. Not coerced. Diane, I didn't coerce this, okay, I verse this, yes, DC, with with ChatGPT, and I asked it to write me a little ditty for the opening of the show. I do this on all my shows, but I edited it, so Jerry and I worked together, and we know I am the human, ChatGPT is the AI, just so you know, Ernie was worried about that. What? You have ChatGPT, write the whole thing? That's not possible. Okay, so it's got a human editor. So here we go. Welcome, time travel enthusiasts to Technology Revolution's crystal ball extravaganza, where the future's wild ride is a techno bonanza. See, it rhymes. Your guide on this futuristic spree is Bonnie D, our maestra of tomorrow, hosting predictions with Glee. Everybody see the Glee? See, glee, I'm gleeful. Okay, DC, I'm gleeful. Behind, behold, the sultaness of speculation. That's what somebody called me. The diva of divination. I can't believe it. With the inside scoop on creme de la creme authors, savvy prognostication. See, it rhymes with divination. Okay, writers, Mark, wave hello when I call your name. Mark and DC and Diane and James and Cheryl and Ernie and Jerry and Charles, each an all-star. Revealing the digital dreams, taking our imaginations far. These visionaries gaze into the digital abyss. I want you all to gaze into the digital abyss. Go ahead, everybody. Look into the, like I am. That's it. Oh, DC's got it. Yeah, put on your, your finder there. Where am I now? But as 2024 unfolds, will their predictions hit or miss? Uh-oh, we're gonna be watching during the year. I have to continue now. As <laughs> Bonnie D's Mike with Scarlet Allure broadcasts her voice so clear and pure. Raise your cup of Joe, Earl, Jack, or Dom. There's the prime. As Tech Revolution explores the future with a plum. Do you all have a feeling like you're with a plum today? Cheryl, I <laughs> want you to have a lot of a plum. Now listen or watch, stick around for a while for who knows. You might be inspired or just smile as we cheer the future on technology revolution style. And that's my poem for today. What'd you all think? Did you like it? (laughs) <laughs> I loved it. Pretty good. <laughs> Thank nice. you. Nice. Thank you very much. So let's get the party started. I'm going to read your bios because if I had to read your own bios, it'd be 10 minutes each because you've all got 10,000 word bios because you're all award-winning writers and entrepreneurs and authors and podcasters, right? You're all award-winning and I love and respect you all. But let me read brief bios. So when I read your bio, wave. Mark Leslie Mark Leslie Lefebvre. Former director of self publishing and author relations for Rakuten Kobo. He's a former president of the Canadian Booksellers Association, book member of BookNet Canada. He mentors authors and publishers in digital publishing opportunities. Digital is a keyword under his Stark Publishing and Stark Reflection brands. Welcome, welcome, Mark. Oh, nice. Then we have DC Gomez. Wave hello. USA Today, best-selling author, podcaster, motivational speaker, and coach. After college, she joined the U.S. Army for four years. DC, thank you for your service. She writes nonfiction as well as fiction ranging from urban fantasy to children's books. Diane Floyd Bame. Hello, Diane. How are you? Glad to see you. Writes children's books and young adult books to inspire kids to be kind, to like themselves, and to embrace imagination bravo to you diane and she spells diane with two n's and no e her story garden youtube channel lets children hear authors read their stories she's the co-host with dr jacqueline of fashion fitness travel and leisure welcome diane James L. Hill, a.k.a. J.L. Hill, is a native New Yorker from the South Bronx, born Apache. You know are movies about that. He's a <laughs> multi-genre novelist and publisher. After his four-part adult urban crime novels, The Killer Series, well, that's pretty specific, he's currently working on a three-part historical fantasy called The Gemstone Series. Welcome, James. Then we have, well, Caramel's not with us. We have Cheryl Payton. Hello, Cheryl. She's my local friend. Cheryl's an author and a painter. Her mom worked for a publishing house and read the manuscripts to Cheryl and talked to her about characters and plot development. Cheryl has only written 12 books, including a seven-book mystery series in an Agatha I know, Agatha Christie format. Since January 2019, she has been the president of the Authors Guild of Tennessee. You are brave, Cheryl. 47 published authors representing 175 titles, and she has graciously introduced me to many of them, including Ernie Lancaster. Who's next? Well, Cheryl, welcome. Ernie Lancaster retired as a captain from the Memphis Police Department. Yes, sir. After serving as a cop for just 33 years, his hard-boiled crime novels, well, what else would he write, include The Jinx and The Black Spanish Flower. His next book, Police Puppeteer, ooh, will be released next year. Ernie, welcome. Nice to see you. G.S. Jerry, my new, one of my new best friends. We're working on putting together a little publishing company calling something like Authors Advocate. I'll keep you all posted. He's a visionary storyteller whose novels are, and I quote him, quirky and utterly unique experiences jam-packed with humor, suspense, satire, and more. There's more, Jerry. He's a Navy veteran. Thank you for your service, Jerry cybersecurity expert, and tattoo enthusiast. I've never seen them, and I don't know if I want to. And he is my friend. Jerry, (laughs) welcome. And Charles Brakefield is here. He holds an MBA in international finance and certifications and licenses from nearly 30 years in the tech industry. I think I've been in tech 30 years, too, Charles. We'll have to compare. You have more than I do. With his writing partner, Roxanne Berkey, he writes the Enigma series novels, thrillers, and mysteries with an amazing twist. So I'm happy to introduce all of you again, because you've all been on my show before to my audience. I'm happy to have you meet each other. And I will tell you that one of the the benefits and the perks of putting people together on these specials is you get to meet people you wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to hear, to speak with, to see, to learn from, and even to collaborate. I've had people put projects together after being on my show. So I'm very happy to have you all here. So it's time. Let's get the party started. You each get... Three and a half minutes for predictions. See if you can fit technology into your prediction somewhere. The order is just what I called. I'll put it in the chat. So Mark, speaker view, three and a half minutes. I'm clocking you. Go ahead, Mark. Let's hear from you.
2: Uh, I'm so excited about technology. And I think about all of the ways that technology has uh, continued to enable, not just the publishing industry, but authors. When we think about AI and emerging technologies, I like to think about the challenge that publishers, uh, smaller publishers and authors have when it comes to very expensive, cost prohibitive uh productions of the work. And and the two of the things that I'm thinking of specifically, the things that costs thousands, if not in you know, tens of thousands of dollars, would be the production of audiobooks and the production of uh, translations, translations into other languages. And the emerging technologies that I've been paying attention to and really in you know experimenting with lately have been how to make your work more accessible to more readers, more consumers around the world. I'm going to start with audio because that's a really important one to me. The very first audio book I made cost me close to $5,000 US and that was one that I'd published myself through my Stark Publishing imprint and I think maybe based on you know the the growth of audio has been phenomenal in the last several years but um, yeah, maybe made $500, $800 back on that particular one. I've since with other projects been able to get better costs from other uh, professional narrators but what I really love is the experimentation. I had somebody who was not able to read one of my books, which was available in print, large print, and uh, ebook format, but they weren't able to read those because they were blind. And they had asked if one of my books was available in audio, and I didn't have the, the bandwidth to do it. This would have been one I would have narrated myself, but I was able to get them within two hours, an audio book, thanks to using Google Play partner center, their digital AI narration. And so the way I look at it is there was somebody who wanted to consume my content, but wasn't able to. Unfortunately, the technology allowed me to make my work more accessible. So I think authors and publishers are going to be able to leverage these technologies to reach more people as the, you know, the audio industry and even uh, translations and other language grow. And I'm really, really thrilled and excited about that.
1: Thank you very much. Do you see AI having any benefit in terms of making uh, the audio option more accessible? Do you see AI voices? And I'll tell you, Mark. Before you answer, I have a radio show I do for Voice America called Next at the Mic, where I speak with other hosts about our impressions of the impact, the importance, the future of radio as a medium. And I still call oh. this radio, kids, even though we're live streaming. By the way, you're all on view right now, so we're watching all of you. Uh, I and and uh, the the intro for that show is an AI voice that Robert Celino, the general director of Voice America, created just for my show. And when I start the show and they play the intro, I say to my guests, usually three, three hosts per week, I say, do you think that's a real voice or an AI? Now, some of them say, oh, it's a trick question. Bonnie's just asking us because she wants us to be fooled, you know? But some of them actually think it's a real person. Yeah. And I'm intrigued. So do you see, Mark, just quickly, do you yeah. see anything with an AI voices for your audiobooks? What do you think? Oh,
2: 100%, I've used AI for two of my audiobooks as well as pro narrated versions. I think there should be multiple versions. Even in my podcast, I regularly use, I have an AI voice of myself. I regularly use that in my podcast, particularly when I'm traveling in a hotel room, don't have the really good mic with me and it's a really crappy background sound. I use my AI voice, but I'm always very clear with my audience and say, this is the AI voice of Mark from 11 labs or Descript or whoever. I have two different AI voices just me.
1: I love it. Would you please send me clips of your voices? I would love to hear Will them because I think I need one for myself too. Okay, thank you very much. Let's go around the table. DC Gomez, you're next. I'm so happy to see you here. Uh, please regale us. What are your predictions for technology and the future of anything you do? Go ahead, DC. Oh, thank you, Ms. Vaughn. It's always such a
3: pleasure to join me such an amazing thrill to be in this amazing group of people. So, guys, hello, everyone. To me, technology in this year, uh, my crystal ball, I want to say, is going to look really exciting, specifically for the youth. Let's talk about that part. When it comes to what is happening and how quickly it's changing, whether you believe in AI or you want to be very traditional, I think is something that's going to be a topic of discussion. But we're seeing the things changing so quickly, specifically when we're looking like a TikTok. If you would have asked me three years ago if I was going to be in TikTok, I would have said no. There's no way in hell I would be joining because I'm too old. And I found Marcus laughing because wait, you wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold on, is anybody going to vote that
1: DC is too old for TikTok? Come on, if, if you think she's too old, <laughs> put your thumb up. No, no.
3: So DC, I think TikTok, you can't get away with that. Go ahead, continue. You guys please. all know, like, I'm going to be 45 in a couple months. I oh, please, you're old. a baby. Stop that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> the technology, like I think for the first time I joined, it made me feel, old. Oh, like, well, if you were born before 1990, like you're ancient, I was like, whoa, whoa, okay, okay. The one thing I had to appreciate about the venue is how quickly it moves, is the new concept of what acceptable it is, specifically for like video, you know, everybody's raw, everybody's on the camera, everybody's telling you their story. And the way that our communication is changing, the way that TikTok in a blink of an eye now has a book talk table on most major, you know, retailers that you would never thought about it. Like Facebook doesn't have a table. Instagram doesn't have a table. You know, Lincoln doesn't. But TikTok does. So when I'm looking at technology, I'm looking to see what's going to come next. I'm looking to see that now our tapping into what our future is to communicate is going to be at a much younger generation. They're changing the way revolutionizes. We got reels now instituted because TikTok made it hot. We got people communicating at a faster pace. Nobody cares about a 20 minute introduction. I need to tell you what's hot in two seconds in order for them to be connected. So I'm looking forward to see what they got because it's going to be hot and furious. I love that. I never even thought of talking about
1: TikTok in terms of authors and books. And, you know, people say we have the, the, what is it? The attention span of a goldfish. And somebody pointed out to me that we have a lot less than that. It used to be 12 seconds, eight seconds. I don't know. Somebody wrote a book called Attention Span of a Squirrel a couple of years ago. And I think I interviewed (laughs) her on one of my radio shows. It's like, well, are we down to ants and fleas and gnats? I don't know. Or bat? Well, not bats. We're going to talk about that. But anyway, very interesting. So how much TikTok are you doing now, uh,
3: DC? What are you doing? A lot more than I ever thought I would be. I haven't decided social media has to be defined in terms of passive and active and like hype maintenance. Like TikTok is my hype maintenance kind of world. And I have a lot of authors that I'm following with the world that you see that they say my sales are up, but I haven't posted in three weeks and now I dropped. And I'm like, that's a lot of emotional turmoil that I don't know if I can handle. But I decided to embrace this and just kind of give it a try because communication is changing. The way you access your audience, the way that... Readers are looking at it and also the fact that it changes so rapidly that if we're not interested in playing, sometimes we feel very disconnected. I
1: can't wait to see Ernie Lancaster on TikTok. I just that's something I think we all we all want to see. Cheryl Payton, you're gonna you're gonna be his uh, his mentor on TikTok. We gotta see that. Okay, thank you, DC. That was very I wasn't expecting that. That's why I love this show because we find out the deep reserves of where your predictions are. What are you thinking? What are you ideating? What are you imagining? Thank you. Diane, welcome. So happy to
4: see you. I'm putting you on speaker view, you beautiful you. Please, what are your predictions? Diane, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. And, um, Wow, I am so happy to be with all you fabulous authors. I know so many of you, and I love you so much. Red, thank you for this opportunity and the future. I am so excited. I mean, I was that girl that would never miss watching the Jetsons when I was young. (laughs) And so I said, Dear God, please let me live long enough to see the flying cars and drive one. And then living in Dubai, they're working on the flying taxis. So, writing books. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait. Like I follow space, I follow what's happening, how we're growing things on the moon, et cetera. And I wanna be able to work all that into the excitement for young kids to relate to the world that's coming. So that's where I'm coming from. And uh, I'm also excited. Mark, thank you for sharing about the audible. That was amazing because I... So, need to get into that. and I and the world is making it easier. And uh, so that's my prediction is to get involved with that. But my greatest excitement is to keep following space and see how I can work, what's coming uh, to life. And, you know, Star Trek is here in and reality and, and Jetsons are here. And I actually am looking forward to having my own little personal humanoid to say, well, what do you think of that story, darling? Because my kids are all grown. So why not have a humanoid for a friend who's like, you know what? I think you forgot such and such. And so I'm coming from the total way out there.
1: Diane, very interesting. And I, you're one of the few people here who writes children's books, I think. Mm-hmm. Does anybody? Yeah. So, question for you. Uh, DC does also. So, Diane, question for you. Can you see in terms of your theme of kindness and liking themselves and having a, I'll call it a strong core, okay? A, per, a personal core, which is so important because our world is so busy and so crazy right now. It's hard to. Stay grounded. We know that. But can you see, or would you think of applying the concept that in this very hyper digital world, in the world of AI, that maybe kids could have that little AI humanoid friend, or they could have an avatar that tells them, I like you. I want you to be kind to yourself. Do you think that might be something you might work into? I'm not giving you any plot lines here, dear, but I'm thinking that (laughs) maybe bringing in some of the reality of of the AI world as lessons for kids. I'm just thinking outside the box or outside the book. Diane, what do you think? You can respond. You can say, Bonnie, go to hell. I don't know.
4: No, no, I love it. I mean, think about it. Um, guys with your various ways when y'all were young and your toys and your toys talked to you. For me, my dolls were alive and they let me know what they think. You're so crazy, Diane. And oh, I just love you the way you take care of me. Or can I have some candy? And they were like your best friends. And so in writing children's books, I totally see an AI friend. I mean, we already have robots that kids can make themselves and they treat them real. So when the robot's Can start talking or they have their own avatar. But I'm also a person that believes I want young children to be grounded. I want them to live in the moment and yes, embrace this world. And I want to come along with it. But always remember that be part of the world that you really exist in.
1: I like that. Thank you for accepting (laughs) or acknowledging what I said. It just seemed like a fun idea. I want one one of my own. Let's (laughs) move on. James L. Hill from Fort Apache in the South Bronx. He's the real deal. He's got his own publishing company. James, welcome. I know that you're not, you weren't used to what time of the day the show was, but we're happy you're here. So please give me about three, oh, take four minutes of predictions. James, go ahead.
5: All right. Well, I started off writing sci-fi back in the South Bronx. And uh, growing up in the South Bronx, you get a kind of a dystopian view of the world. So a lot of my sci-fi was pretty much dystopian. But what I wrote in my uh, Pegasus book, a lot of that stuff had come true, and some of it is being done today. And that book, when I wrote it, is about uh, 40 years old now. So uh, I like writing near fiction, you know, because I don't want to write something a thousand years in the future, because I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't even know if we're going to be here a thousand years. I kind of doubt it, <laughs> but, but if we are, I have no idea what's going to happen a thousand years from now because things change so fast and we adopt things so quickly. But one thing I do know, we will be mining asteroids. We will be on uh, the moon. They're getting ready to go back to the moon now. It, money is a big driver of things. So once we figure out the cost and the profits, and there's going to be big profits to be made in mining because we can't keep mining the earth. We we have limited resources here. But there is a plethora of resources outside of Earth. And we will make it there. We will start mining the other planets, the other moons, the asteroids. Robotics is a big thing. You know, uh, they kind of like take your job away, but they also Bring new new jobs. I mean, my mom was a telephone operator. There are no telephone operators now. I work in I work in IT, and one thing I did was I set up robocalls. Don't don't hate me. It, it was a job.
1: We we're, we're trying not to hate you, James. But everybody, you know, don't contact James after the show. Go ahead, James.
5: But but I was a programmer for years. So uh, robotics, I. AI, these type of things, they're gonna come. There's no stop in the future. There is no stop in progress. There is no stopping technology. And as these technology come, they replace other things. No one has a horse anymore, horse-drawn courage. But you know what we still have? We still have the train tracks that are made to the width of chariots. Because that was the standard for any road. So. Roads in Europe, train tracks, all these kinds of things are still built on the Romans' technology that a chariot had to be, the wheels on the chariot had to be this wide. And train tracks, they kept that, you know. So things change as we go along, but we also bring the past with us as we go forward. And so I look at the past to see where we're going in the future. I look at ideas that are coming up now, robotics, um, uh, uh, you know, missile technology, and some of these things only come along, we only see them after 20 or 30 years of development. You know, we have drones now. The future wars are going to be fought by robots. And they are working hard on that. Uh, Right now, they're working on drones and things like that. But if you, I'm sure D.C. knows this, I'm sure Gary knows this, about boots on the ground. I work for the military. So <laughs> I hear a whole lot about, you know, boots on the ground, boots on the ground. You can't win a war from the air, you know. Uh, but James, James I-
1: are you planning to bring, I'm going to interrupt you for a second, you're planning to bring drones into some of your books? Are you bringing technology into some of your plots?
5: Yes. Yes, and they and they are in my plot. Right now I'm in a history phase of writing. So a lot of the stuff I'm writing about goes back hundred or two hundred years. But as I write about the future, and I look back in my sci-fi vein, I'm putting in uh, AI, I'm putting in drone, I'm putting in virtual reality. Yep. Uh all these types of things, but virtual reality is gonna be very big in future war because right now the drones are actually operated by people. Mm-hmm. Thousands of miles away. So they're not AI, they're not autonomous drones. People are guiding these things. And as of I right now. As yeah. of
1: right now. By the way, I have a favorite French phrase I think you'll appreciate. Plus ça change, plus la même shows. Mark knows that. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yes. I liked your track. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to tell you before I forgot it. No, I'll never forget that one. Uh it, it's it's a little bit um It's a little bit uh, almost doomy because it's like, well, were we ever going to get out of what we used to do? But I I like your train tracks comments. What's the name of your new history series, James?
5: Uh, I'm writing a horror story now called The House of of Sun and Shadow. So Mm -hmm. that's a a standoff, that's a one off. Uh, The other one is the Gemstone series, which the next book is going to be The Age of Castles. So the first one, was the Emerald Lady, which was the age of pirates. And we're going back in time because mermaids live a thousand years. And there's all sorts of ways that we can explore that.
1: Oh, good. I'll want to be a mermaid in my next life, then. That's fine. James, thank you very much. Appreciate that. <laughs> Let's move on. We have Cheryl Payton. Cheryl, I know your mic is a little bit mm, on, not not uh, present for it today, so we need you to talk really loud, even if you have to yell for three minutes. Cheryl, I'm Cheryl has become a friend. I met her here. I was doing a an interview series with authors, two or three on a panel, and Cheryl graciously introduced me to people like Ernie and many other local authors through her. Authors Guild of Tennessee, and I have to say, anybody who is running president or or chairperson of a group of authors probably has their hands full managing a lot of personalities and a lot of goals, And right? Am I right? There are several of you. Cheryl, welcome, and let's get it loud and shouting out. Go ahead, Cheryl. All
6: right. Full disclosure before I talk about AI in a a negative sense. Uh, This is my latest book, the cover of which is done by AI. In natural language with Dolly too, I just asked for a, a night scene of a long ship coming into Budapest with a castle behind it, which obviously was met perfectly beautiful it's
1: everybody let's have a little bit of a an applause for cheryl's cover (laughs) that is lovely and by the way i don't know if you all know but dolly d-a-l-l dash capital e for dolly is incorporated into gpt4 which is the advanced current paid version of chat gpt yes a friend of mine is using go ahead
6: and all i had to do was to uh was to give credit on my copyright page that I'd gotten the cover from Dolly okay. very Okay. Nice. So that's very nice. how that is clear. I think it's helpful in looking toward the future about AI in particular with writing, which is my my interest, uh, is to look in the past. Do you know that it, probably everyone here on this esteemed panel is aware that it's been around for 50 years, artificial intelligence, that it was created by a uh, MIT professor Joseph Weizenbaum, he called the program it was a simple software. You know it, uh, Bonnie. It was a simple software. He called it Eliza after Eliza Doolittle, Pygmalion. In other words, she learned a new language to to uh, fool people that she was an elegant lady and she had been a street urchin. Yes. Okay. So so that's the background. And after he developed it, he started sensing. The problems that would that would come uh, from its existence, namely, and I'll just name off a couple that he was concerned with, was that he noticed that there was transference as people listened to AI, his uh, his uh, his chatbot, I should say. Um, there was transference, which means that you impose on something your experiences that you bring. From other areas, other people, and so on, and so he thought this was a danger because, in fact, a chatbot is not human. And then he started thinking, uh, as a professor would, um, the difference between artificial intelligence and human. What does it mean to be human? And so he talked about how there's a richness of human experience that that, that isn't available to a chatbot. That you bring with it a, an ability to reason, because of all that you've learned, you've seen, you've experienced, that is not in a chatbot. And uh, so he felt that that there was a danger that uh, a chatbot, which is which is a data, uh, uh, um, can you know that explores data, puts data together, uh, would be misperceived and. Um, into thinking that it was uh, some sort of human because it had a voice and so mm-hmm. on, and so uh, so he felt that that uh, humans and chatbots are not interchangeable, and there needs to be a, a clear distinction made and understood. As a writer, uh, as representing many writers, uh, with the same feeling is that there we feel threatened. With, with AI, uh, AI material cannot be copyrighted, you probably know, because nothing in the copyright law uh, can copyright something non-human. So none of that is copyrighted. However, it uses copyrighted material or infringement of copyrighted material. There is a case uh, that was just brought, let me just reframe my notes so I don't misspeak, Uh, just over a month ago by the Authors Guild, that's a national organization with 14,000 published uh, authors who belong. And this was a class action suit filed against OpenAI in the Southern District of New York, which is a tough district as you know, uh, for copyright infringement of their works of fiction. So such luminaries as David Baldacci, Michael Connolly, John Grisham, Scott Turow, uh, our our party to this class action suit, as I am, by the way, and and some other authors I know, and uh, what they're saying is that that um, excuse me, let me just put my dog down. I'm sorry. Uh, what what they're saying is that the average working author earns about twenty thousand dollars a year, fifty percent less than that. And a few earn a lot more, but this is something that's a that's a difficult uh, uh, a job that takes many hours. We think of our writing as something very personal, very unique. Even though, what are there maybe seven storylines possible, but uh, we all bring our own style, our own experience to our writing, and so uh, we consider it a great loss <laughs> if if uh, if AI is uh, able to take this material and use it and put it in another book or books that are written st- strictly with AI. So I think what I'm going to say is in the future, I think this year and going on forward, we're going to have to have some laws written that that protect <laughs> the author uh, from AI uh, copyright infringement. I think this is the main problem right now going forward. But I look forward to see what's happening. And it's like I say, I use it too.
1: I love your book cover, Cheryl. That's something I never expected from you. Seriously, I know you. I never expected you'd be the one to have a Dolly book cover. And I'm going to say I'm proud of you. And I'm excited. Can you just tell us what prompts you put into that? What? How? How hard? How many iterations did it take for you to get a cover you really loved?
6: One. It was like I say, natural natural language. I just asked for uh, this uh, a long ship coming into the port of Budapest at night with Budapest Castle in the background. Absolutely.
1: Lovely. I'm doing a show in a couple weeks on the future of text prompting and AI. I might invite you to drop in on that panel. I think that'd be really, really fun. I'll show you all a background I did for my Monday night radio show with uh, create a moonscape with from oil, water, uh, soap and tinsel with a red mic and red lipstick and I'll show you it's so, so pretty I'm using it on my Monday night read my lips creativity show which you've been on Cheryl I think you'll get a kick out of that but not right now Cheryl Payton thank you so much Ernie Lancaster you're up next and somebody put in the chat that Ernie if you went on TikTok it would be called cop talk <laughs> 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 who did that Who? somebody did that Ernie let's have your three minutes of predictions moving and grooving go ahead
7: Uh, Full disclosure: I've never been on TikTok before. (laughs) You might have to go there now. (laughs) I'm a little older than uh, some of the others. Uh, uh, Boom! James mentioned that uh, he was from a dystopian background in the Bronx. Well, my 33 years and riding dodging bullets in Memphis put me in a absurd (laughs) state of mind permanently. But anyway, I want to give my prediction about AI. I believe that with the state of today's discourse, politics, news feed, that mm, there's going to become a demand for artificial stupidity.
1: <laughs> Remember, no, that, no politics on this show, but I like where you're going with it. Go ahead.
7: <laughs> go ahead, Ernie. Grow, grow leaps and bounds and be more popular than artificial intelligence. <laughs> um then anyway um also uh cheryl showed her cover i'm going to show mine for a reason that's relevant my older brother i self-published my older brother made this for me for the hold it
1: up again oh wait 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 we want to see more let us let us just let it sink in okay precinct memphis and i see the handcuffs okay Okay. and i see uh, I, I, what do I see there is that a bridge is that what is yeah, that that's
7: the Her- Hernando de Soto Bridge that okay. crosses the Mississippi River okay anyway I, I loved it it was a great cover and um as you said I've got one it's a completed manuscript I just need to dress it up and give it a spanking and put it out in the world uh uh, pl- uh p- police puppeteers the name of it and I got with my brother and we exchanged ideas and he drew up a couple of covers. We never just could quite get it right and never was satisfied. And he put that into artificial intelligence and came up with a dozen covers and every one of them just blew me away. So that's, that's going to have a big future in the building of covers, I believe. Unless, and you know, real artists are expensive if you're going to get somebody, hire somebody to do that. So that's one. I uh, uh, let's see.
1: Ernie, DC. we're looking at the top of your head. We want to see your beautiful face. <laughs> Look up. Hold I, your notes up. You can hold. I that's did, fine. Hold notes. them up in front of you. Hold them up. Go ahead.
7: DC uh, spoke about youth, and Cheryl, you are right about her. She works herself ragged keeping up with eighty-one authors And the Authors Guild of Tennessee. She does a tremendous job. But uh, our group sponsors a contest uh for in in high schools local high schools uh writing contests and we mentor them at, under close supervision of teachers and they get cash prizes and we have a short story competition last year and this year it was poetry and they have submitted some things that have really knocked our socks off but now i believe we're going to have to start putting the guidelines into artificial intelligence to make sure none of them are cheating because artificial intelligence comes up with some pretty good stuff. Although, to listen to the publishing industry talk about it, they can tell when something's produced by artificial intelligence, but they say they're getting flooded. Publishers and literary agents are just being flooded with entries from artificial intelligence. and They say they're not very good, but the stuff I've seen is good. And let's see if I had anything else worthwhile. Seeing. Lift up your
1: notes, Ernie. Lift up your notes. We want to see those <laughs> notes. Come on. Hold up the notes right there in front of the camera. There we go. Now read it. Read it in front of you. It's fine. Yes,
7: dear. <laughs> that's my wife's name. Yes, dear. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> and one more? Oh, uh, I guess that's about all the damage I can do. <laughs>
1: I love, did anybody hear when Ernie just said a minute ago, you you spank the book and then, <laughs> and then you publish it? Is anybody else doing? Uh, yeah, I thought of it. That's got to be. Very a Southern,
5: colorful, Ernie. Very colorful. that has
1: got to be a Southern thing. I've never heard of that. Thank you very much, Ernie. I appreciate that. And in the question of human artists, Jerry and I are going to talk about that when we put our company together, human artists versus Cheryl, the, the, uh, Natural language art of something like Dali that understands somehow what your intention was. And Cheryl, you expressed it so specifically, it keyed into what you wanted. Getting it on the first try, I thought was amazing. Thank you very much. Let's move on. One more seat around the table. We got two more guests here. G.S. Jerry, my new friend. Jerry, uh, take your full four minutes. We have time. Go ahead
8: all right thank you uh thanks again for having me on it's always a pleasure to get on these podcasts you know meet new people uh i like what mark said uh you know he was talking about the cost savings uh, and you know just the efficiency of using ai and i think that's you know kind of the avenue that i was going to take not necessarily audiobooks uh but just you know content for books in general so Um, You're going to see AI for creating book trailers, right? Uh, Getting a book trailer made can be anywhere from $100 to you know $500 from there on up. Uh, There's video software out there right now that you can create a whole, you know, 30-second, 60-second video. Boom! Now you have a AI video trailer. Um, I think you're also going to see AI bring the characters to life. Um, You know, some people aren't artists; they can't create these kinds of content. So, uh, illustrations book content, book cover, you know, people have hit on the book covers, uh, but even the book characters, right? Uh, So you're going to see AI characters, uh, but even a step further, I think you're going to see the characters actually come alive and they're going to start talking to you. So can you imagine you're going to someone's website, you go pull up their book and now all of a sudden their book character is talking to you. Uh, I don't think the AI is there yet, uh, but I think that's going to be, you know, one thing that's going to happen is people going to start creating uh, AI characters for their books and then they're going to actually use them to talk and, and, you know, interact with you. Uh, I like what James said. Uh, He's talking about AI with war. It made me think of the Terminator. And so, whenever you know you hear AI, that's kind of what a lot of people think. Like, oh no, you know, the world's going to end. Uh, AI is going to kill us all. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. But I do agree with uh, with James that there's going to be a lot of AI that's going to be used in, in in that kind of um, you know space. Um, and i think just in general um you're going to see a lot of ai used for like content creation uh it, it's a lot easier um it's a lot more efficient uh you can you know send it a prompt create me a, a linkedin post create me a whatever post and it'll generate it for you um and so when people don't have a lot of time right they're gonna go and use what is most readily available or what's most easily available to them uh to get more content out to push it out quicker because you know it's all about getting get into the market faster. And so I think that's kind of part of it.
1: Jerry, show us some of your book covers, please. I see a few behind you. I think people will find them interesting. We have time. All right. So Can Everybody see is, that? Yes, go ahead.
8: This is my new book cover, Hysterical Hangouts with the Heimlichs. This is not AI. Uh, I had a book, co- book cover professional design this. Uh, I did use Canva to kind of come up with the idea, uh, but this is a reality show. Uh, in a book. So um, if you guys are interested in some humor and some comedy, this will be the one for you.
1: And show us the myth murder in Amazon. <laughs> I,
8: I don't have interesting... the updated one yet.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I have it
8: here, but uh, I, I don't have an author copy yet. Uh, we just What is that about?
1: Give, give us a little synopsis of that one, please.
8: Yeah. So meth murder in Amazon is basically the world's realest, worst real estate transaction you can ever imagine. Uh, it's nonfiction. This is a true story. Uh, it actually did happen and so along the way, this family goes to sell their house. Uh, they go on vacation. Someone is in their house, and the real estate agents show up and they find a body under the bed. They freak out, they run, they call the cops on the homeowners and say that they must have murdered somebody and hit the body under the bed. Cops show up, body is gone. So then, you know, they lose the open house. The family's crushed four days later uh the real estate agents call the homeowners and they're like hey by the way we smelled something that smelled like burning plastic in your garage homeowner's like oh my goodness was something burning is like an electrical fire apparently the real estate agent has been around drugs and she's like no uh Burning plastic is meth, and so we think someone could be smoking meth in your house or making meth in your premises, specifically in your garage. So we're going to need to get you to get a meth test done, or we're going to flag your house in the MLS for suspicious behavior. So the story basically follows along the most ridiculous real estate transaction you can imagine. This is also the first time selling a house ever in their lives, and so it's like a six-month journey from the time that they list the house until they eventually sell the house and. All the chaotic events that transpire in between. Thank you very much. Everybody's (laughs) saying,
1: what? What? Okay. Thank you. And what is hind legs? Just explain that before Charles you're up next, but what is, what is the hind legs?
8: So the hind legs is a, it's a true reality show in a book. Uh, I tried to do some research on this. There is not really very many reality shows. And so uh, this is about essentially boyfriend has a girlfriend. He goes to meet the family and then he decides, Hey, this would be a great idea to experiment with a hidden camera reality show. And so, as he meets the parents, as he meets the girlfriend's brothers, all these different events transpire, and the boyfriend is there recording it all, hiding, you know, basically in plain sight. And so, there's a uh, the father-in-law actually has an accident; he chops off his finger, has to be rushed to the emergency room. Uh, he's also kind of like a mad scientist. Uh, he knows how to create like exploding balloons, so he uses hydrogen gas sends a balloon up and then almost blows his wife off the uh, the side of some scaffolding while she's painting the house. Um, and there's just a lot of different things that happen, right? And so it kind of plays on like the, uh, the worst stereotypes of uh, family dynamics, right? Boyfriend meets girlfriend, goes to meets the dad, Dad's super intimidating. He has a shotgun. He's cleaning it, right? And so I'll take that, but then I'll amplify it and I'll go one step further. So not only does he have a shotgun, but he's etched the boyfriend's names into the shotgun shells. He's got a bloodstained machete right next to him, right? So he's oh, okay, like, okay, to, like, okay, okay, okay. This guy.
1: Mayhem, mayhem, mayhem. There's a mayhem alert. Thank you very, very much. Who did we just lose? We just lose somebody? Looks like somebody dropped one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Maybe not. Okay. Uh, I moved over to the left top of the screen instead of uh, DC was on the left a minute ago. So I thought maybe somebody dropped jerry thank you very much that was very uh, instructive. now i'm in the middle oh zoom is playing playing games with me talk about mayhem thank you charles breakfield charles i have a, a beef with you my friend and the beef is that your bio is all about your tech background and i had to search everywhere to find out about your Enigma series with Rox Berkey. So I want you to amend your bio, Charles, one of these days, okay, to put in your writer's experience. Charles Brakefield, welcome. Let's hear from you. What are your predictions?
0: Um, well, uh, first of all, I'd like to be able to comment on Ernie's uh, position about uh, artificial intelligence versus uh, natural stupidity. I think that that's a, that's a well-matched uh, uh, game Changing event that uh, um, uh, I'm not sure how how that was going to work out. So, uh, but uh, for, uh, based on the stuff that Cheryl uh, postulated, um, we actually have some uh, some predictions that have to do with the uh, the way that uh, generative AI programs are working. Uh, right now, there are um, there are, learning from the uh, user inputs that they get, and specifically they're pirating the use of published authors, artists, artwork, and visuals, and con- any copyrighted material uh, for sale on the internet, and it's being taken unfairly. And so, um, to Cheryl's point, I mean, this is a, you know, a huge problem. Um, uh, and then so somebody d- d- decided that a good idea would be to um, uh, use synthetic not copyrighted material, instead of the real world data. Fortunately, this proves to be ludicrous and undermine the value of generative AI uh, uh, output. We predict that um, some bright entrepreneurs will create brokerage style firm where generative AI programs can store and access copyright material for a fee and it will look a lot like Spotify model for music available today so copyrighted material is accessed royalties are sent to authors basically it's a you know that's the commission fee um, the AI program gets access to useful relevant real data that's uh, that's being uh, leveraged by uh, multiple sources uh, and it help cover the uh, the authors and the artists and the content creators, make sure that they receive royalties. So that's the way that uh, I, w- I would see that the, uh, the, you know, Cheryl I mean, you know, uh, suing, that's one way to be able to get stuff uh, forward. But I would s- submit that they uh, trying to come up with legislation to be able to cover this. I mean, how many, how many decades has it gone to get us to the point where we've got uh, people's uh, work Covered and uh, fairly compensated for at this point, and then you're talking about you know throwing a complete uh, monkey wrench into the uh, that, that whole scenario. So we were thinking about just you know here you know put your stuff here. The, uh, everybody can search through it, and then there'll be royalty fees that uh, that, that get, uh, get dispersed. That's the way that we would see that problem uh, getting uh, getting work done. How much time have I got? I got one more uh, for you, got, you, Bonnie. You
1: got you got a minute and a half left. Go ahead, Charles.
0: All right. Um, this is not really about AI, but it, uh, it it centers around some of the stuff we're working in our in our in the new book that we're coming out. An investor consortium will partner with the World Bank and the International Monetary Fund, United Nations, to build an economic zone in northwest Mexico, close to the Rio Grande, prefab housing be assembled quickly to, uh, to shelter the flood of immigrants that are coming from all over the planet, uh, try to get into the US. And the economic status of a low tax zone would be an attractive inducement for manufacturers to locate part of their supply chain there for easy export to the target market of the US. Um, the thing that the uh, we see that the, the immigrants are looking for is um, a place to work, a place to live. Um, bring their families uh, once they get uh, established. So this new economic zone would be uh, an ideal place to be able to uh, establish uh, uh, a working uh, scenario for uh, building. Uh, there's semi-skilled and skilled workers showing out there all the time looking for, looking to come in and, uh, to the US. This would help take some of the pressure off the US immigration services, and the investor consortium would provide expertise to rapidly build the zone adequately leverage all the uh, uh, the skilled folks that, that are coming in.
1: Will this be another Enigma book, Charles?
0: Um, you know sometimes it's really a shame uh, that, that you're so smart um, uh, Bonnie because they I've already we've already got a lot of that uh, that baked into a, uh, uh, a scenario that uh, we're working on for our newest book, which is the Enigma forced. Okay.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry to be so smart. I really am. Thank you very much. We've got about three minutes left. I appreciate all of you. I'm just going to go around the table and ask a quick pop quiz question, real fast, one word answer. If you could use AI, chat GPT, any other large language model, yeah. three minutes left. Thank you, Erin. Erin Keller is our engineer today. Thank you, Erin. If you could use AI to speak to somebody who was a fictional character who never really lived... Who would that character be if you could be in a artificial intelligence conversation with them through text prompts? I'm going to just go around the table as I'm looking at the well let me go through the regular order. So um okay, Mark, well, who would that character be? Real fast. Peter
2: Parker. Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Oh, Spider-Man. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's go to DC <laughs> Gomez. Who would you want to talk to as a fictional character through AI?
3: So I would pick one of my characters, I would do Constantine, a 5000-year-old talking cat. I want to talk to him. I love five thousand year old talking. Good one. Diane,
1: who would you want to talk to?
4: I might like DC Gomez, I'd want to talk to. And and Red, you were right on the money because in my new short stories, it has a uh, AI. So it'd be my character Zip, who's an AI.
1: Okay, very I didn't even think of that. James Hill, who would you want to talk to?
5: I gotta talk to Iron Man after Iron all, he's Man. A tech, he's a tech genius. I'll have to talk to Iron
1: Man. Interesting. Cheryl Payton, who would you like to talk to?
6: I guess I'd have to talk to Miss Marple because I pretty much ripped her off. You know, <laughs> it was my amateur detective uh, female character. I thought,
1: I thought you'd say Agatha Christie because you're writing her style too. Well,
6: Agatha, yes. Most of um, fictional characters. Fictional. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes, that's fine. Thank you. But I thought also for
7: you. Ernie Lancaster, who would you like to talk to? Nick Adams. Who? Yeah. Nick Adams? Yeah. Hemingway's young fictional self.
1: Excuse me. Excuse me. Okay. G.S. <laughs> Jerry, who would you like to talk to?
8: It's Superman. All
1: right. Okay. Charles Plus Breakfield.
8: Here.
1: Breakfield, Charles, who would you like to talk to?
8: Oh. Wow, that's a tough one.
0: Um, well, since we're going down the character route, um, I like the other uh, one that was put in the, uh, 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 the chat window, Batman batman
1: no that's jaws sorry like that okay <laughs> i, I want to thank all of you but we have one thing to do before we end we got less than one minute so here we go uh, and aaron wants to talk to um darth vader anakin skywalker okay aaron you're in on this i want everybody to put up your finger in on the kenneth 3 you're going to say no 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 me put up a finger come on everybody you can do it you can do it people say the future is already here and our answer is one two three no no no, no. no. no No. not bad not bad that's because that was yesterday's future that's here our future hasn't started yet so let's all make it a much better one bonnie d signing off oh let me just put up my uh show you what my new background is here we go. This is my moonscape made of oil and water and tinsel and soap and with a red lipstick and a mic. And I put in Read My Lips and I put in a real lips there. Cheryl, you'll appreciate that. Real lips instead of, yes, for AK Radio Rudy. Wave goodbye. Don't go away. We're going to take pictures by LinkedIn, by Facebook, by YouTube, by Voice America Business.